Hello, welcome to a special January 26 Australia Day episode of The Briefing. I'm Tom Tilley and I do want to acknowledge that this day is a day of mourning for some Australians and a day of celebration for others. Absolutely, Tom, but I think we would all agree, whatever you think Australia Day is, that it is the unofficial back-to-work day. (laughs) There is this sort of unwritten rule that none of us do a great deal of work from about Melbourne Cup Day in November until when we go back to work after Australia Day. So the summer is sadly ending. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is about this time of the year where people really get serious. You might be starting school or uni or just properly putting your head down at work. So we're going to bring you an interview we hope you find pretty useful with the year ahead, especially after the year we've just come out of, and it's about how to form good habits and why having willpower isn't necessarily the answer. Yeah, and that you can actually form good habits if you do it right, even when your willpower is really waning or never really existed in the first place. We can teach you how to get willpower. Look, Wendy Wood is a fascinating psychologist from the University of Southern California, and she's written this great book called Good Habits, Bad Habits, The Science of Making Positive Changes That Stick. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. This is the time of the year when New Year's resolutions often start to get tested, or for some people, they might have fallen apart already four weeks after making them. So let's say someone, you know, made a resolution about doing more exercise or eating better four weeks ago. How might they already be starting to struggle to live up to those intentions? Well, when we try to change our behavior, we usually increase our commitment and willpower. And we make a decision and we try to carry it through. But the challenge is that for so many of behaviors that we're trying to change, like, as you said, exercise or maybe saving more money, spending less, those are things that are repeated over time. And willpower only lasts just so long and we get tired of exerting willpower and our decisions sort of fade over time because the things that we're trying to do They're not what we always do. They're not our standard go-to behaviors. We're trying to learn something new. And that's always challenging. That's always difficult. So we're setting ourselves a difficult task and we're not using the right tools to do so. Yeah, you talk about friction points. What are they? Well, because so much of the behavior that we're trying to change is pretty well established. It's a habit. We have to work with those habit memories. Our brains aren't all one unit. They're not one integrated whole. Instead, they're made up of a bunch of different systems, some of which handle habits, some of which are part of our willpower and decision-making and our commitment to make a change. And those two things aren't necessarily connected. So instead of focusing on the willpower and commitment part, people would be much better off focusing on what controls habits, the actual behavior itself. Our behavior is very responsive to friction in the environment, what makes it easier or difficult to do. 
So let me give you an example. That sounds very abstract, I know. There was a, a study done of how far people traveled to paid fitness centers. And this was hundreds of thousands of people across several months. What they found is that people who traveled a little over five miles on average to a fitness center went only once a month. But people who traveled about three and a half miles went five times a month on average. And that's not much of a difference. And it's certainly not what most of us think about when we make the decision, we're going to start exercising this year. We're going to find a gym that's really close so that it's easy for me to get there and there's not much friction on the behavior. That's not how we think about our behavior, but it's how our behavior works. Right. So instead of sort of sitting at home thinking about, you know, how much you want to go to the gym and how important it is, it's actually better to focus on the the practicalities of getting there and the things that might get in the way. I also heard you use another analogy, which I found quite simple and interesting, the sugary cake in the fridge. Can you explain your thinking in that context? Well, all of these things have great research data behind them. And there's good evidence that people tend to eat much more of what's in front of them, what's easy to get to, what's low friction, than they do things they have to actually make a decision, get up, reach for. So a wonderful study was conducted with apple slices and popcorn, buttered popcorn. For some participants in this study, the apple slices were right in front of them and the popcorn they had to reach for. They could see it and they could smell it, but they had to reach a distance for it. So there was some friction on the popcorn. For other participants, the popcorn was right in front of them and they had to reach for the apple slices. So for the people who had the healthy food, the apple slices right in front of them, they ate a third fewer calories than the other group. And they weren't told to. (laughs) Everyone liked popcorn. They also liked apple slices in this study. They were fine. But just the simple friction on that behavior determined how many calories people consumed. So to think about cake, putting it in the refrigerator, putting it perhaps in a closed container will be helpful. It doesn't sound like it makes a big difference, but it does on our behavior. We usually look at willpower and self-control as admirable qualities and, and things that we all want. But are you saying that it's less about being born with them or having those sort of traits and more about changing your behaviours and forming good habits? And if that's the case, how long does it actually take to form a good habit? Well, habits are a learning mechanism. You know, there's something that you learn as you repeat behaviour over and over And things that are more difficult to learn, that are more complex, that have lots of steps, of course, are going to take longer to form into a habit than things that are simple. It's hard to come up with a specific estimate of when people will have formed a habit. And in fact, habits form so slowly and so incrementally. It's not like 
one day you go to bed and you don't have a habit and the next morning you wake up and you do. It doesn't work that way. Instead, habits are produced with repetition and it takes a, quite a bit of repetition to get that behavior into your habit memory. With those friction points that you were discussing, how do they, I guess, take us off course from our habits? What sort of distractions stop us? I know for me, it could be my telephone or as you say, you know, not getting enough sleep. So what things should we be looking out for, those subconscious things that undermine us getting towards those habits and ultimately willpower? If you have made the behavior easier, it's not going to take as much willpower. So you can reduce the amount that you are relying on that active sort of white knuckle self-control simply by organizing your environment, where you live, your house, in ways that make it easier for you to meet your goals. So if your phone is constantly distracting you, then make a habit of turning off notifications or keep it face down or put it in a pocket, preferably a zippered one, so that you have to open it in order to access the phone. Anything you do that puts friction on using the phone will reduce your use of it. And simple things, it doesn't take something complicated, very simple things, simply like turning your phone upside down, face down, make a difference. It's interesting that marketers, retailers know all of these tricks. It's just us yeah. <laughs> who don't really recognize them because we tend to think that we're in charge of our behavior and we're making decisions and that's why we act the way we do. But you know, if you go into a store, there's a saying retailers have, eye level is buy level. So what customers see at the eye level, that's what they're more likely to buy, which is why you sometimes find the cheaper products down at your feet where you have to reach for them. Because retailers know we're just less likely to pick them up than what we can easily see, the low friction items. Welcome to a special January 26 Australia Day episode of The Briefing. Wendy Wood is a fascinating psychologist from the University of Southern California, and she's written this great book called Good Habits, Bad Habits. Do you think the pandemic has made good habits harder or easier to form? Because on one hand, it's been a very distracting, kind of unmotivating time. It's like we've been in a kind of limbo. But then on the other hand, there's been so much disruption that it's broken up old habits and given us a chance to rethink our lives. It has two edges. It's double-edged, this pandemic. I, I think for many people right at the beginning, it was quite overwhelming because we had to start working from home. I live in the U.S. Many of us are still working from home. I am. It's we didn't get very clear guidance to begin with on what we should do to keep ourselves safe. So it disrupted all of our habits. We weren't sure what to do, what was safe now, 
how are we going to contract this virus? And we had to think all the time, which is exhausting. And that's what habits do for us is they provide this sort of automatic guide to what to do on a daily basis. And we didn't have that anymore. So many people got really tired at the beginning of the the pandemic just because we were making many more decisions than we did beforehand. And then people learned some new habits in the pandemic that were actually beneficial ones, right? Many people started to cook more at home, which is good for your health, because if you cook at home, you're less likely to eat greasy fast food. People also started to garden more and spend more time with their kids. So if willpower alone isn't enough and we need to make those lasting changes, how important is it that we do it together and have a social element in forming good habits. Say if you want to exercise, taking someone with you. Is that going to work for everybody or just some people? Well, it will work better if you like the person (laughs) (laughs) that um, people you exercise with, friends, can be a great reward for doing an activity. So having a workout buddy who you enjoy working out with is a great way to start a new habit. Because the other thing about habits is that you're likely to repeat behaviors if they're rewarded. So those are the two keys that people should get out of this. One is reduce friction to make it easier so you'll repeat the behavior. And the second is find some way to make the behavior fun to make it rewarding. And other people can be great at doing that. But there are many ways to make a behavior rewarding. And I'm not talking about rewards that you give yourself, say, at the end of the month. If you've lost five pounds, well, then you go out Mm -hmm. and buy yourself some new clothes or some new electronic gadget. They have to be in the moment in order for habits to form effectively. So a friend who works out with you and actually can come by and remind you too, both of those things can be great spurs for people to learning an exercise habit. So this is all from an individual point of view. What about a societal level? How do governments and other organizations like health bodies use the sort of research that that you've done to create better behaviors for for all of us? I think that's actually the most important insight from this research. Yes, it's done on an individual level, but the kinds of things that influence our behavior are actually best controlled and, and changed through public policies. Policies like Let's make it easy for people to walk. So have a very pedestrian-friendly environment with lots of sidewalks and trees and stores close by. All of those things are policy decisions and they enable larger groups of people to take advantage of what we know about forming habits. We can do this on our own, but it's much harder than if we're living in an environment that encourages healthy behavior, that encourages financial savings, that encourages 
families to have dinner together and hang out together on a regular basis. All of this is very much influenced by where we live and the conditions under which we live. So I think that there are some very clear policy implications for yeah. this work. When you look around us, you realize that actually policymakers have been thinking about these things and so many so many elements of our built environment are designed in ways to encourage healthy habits. Um, Wendy, just a, lastly, a personal question to you. Even though you've done so much research and thinking on this, have you still struggled personally to form good habits? <laughs> we all do. And it's because our goals shift over time. So a habit that met your goal at one point in your life is not necessarily going to work for you in 10 years. So you have to constantly be updating your habits to keep in line with your current goals. So all of us have this struggle and we all have to think about this on a regular basis. It's just New Year's is a time that many of us think broadly about whether we're meeting our goals and how to do it better. That was Wendy Wood and you can read more about her research and such insightful advice in her book, Good Habits, Bad Habits. Annika, what did that bring up for you? Look, it made me feel a little bit guilty. I'm sitting there thinking I should be able to do this. There's so many things I want to achieve. I'm trying to finish up writing a book. I'm working a few jobs. I'm getting married in seven weeks and of course I want to be fit and healthy and things. But Life gets in the way. It's it's actually so true. You can see these friction points. You know, if everything isn't easy to do, achieve, you start to have that internal fight with yourself about I'll just take the easier option than maybe diverting and and taking the harder option. Did it bring up those sort of feelings for you, or am I alone here? <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I'm in a similar situation to you, where um, you know, shed a bit of light on my life. I record this podcast very early in the mornings. And then uh, lately I've been going home to work on my memoir, writing a book. And there's so many distractions that can get in, in the way of that. So it was interesting what she said about the phone. What I've started doing is turning off my phone for short periods. So she said to add friction points for the distractions. So I, you know, made a friction point, which is having to turn it back on to check it. So I'll turn my phone off for say three to four hours just to get some stuff done. And then after like, all right, you're allowed to look at your phone now. Um, with my exercise habits, I always do it socially. So with my cycling, it's all about meeting up with people and trying to build structure in that it's every Saturday morning at 7am we're on the road so that it's not like, oh, should I or shouldn't I do this today? It's like not leaving it up to the whims of your willpower and trying to create structures that mean it actually happens. Yeah, I noticed uh, somebody gave me a recommendation recently when writing a book, Tom, and it's just about starting. You know, some days you go, I just can't do it. And it's just about opening the computer, sitting there, forcing yourself to at least start. And often that's the most difficult bit. It's the same with exercise too. You feel great afterwards, you're happy, you have the endorphins, but it's just about taking that first step to do it. So that really is a habit that we do need to form. Yeah, and I think the other interesting thing, the point about willpower, that it's not enough, I think it might not be enough on its own to get you there, but I think it's great to harness the willpower when you're excited. And in that moment, you build in those structures. Mm. So when, you, when you're really feeling guilty or excited about how much exercise you're doing, create a plan. That's it for this January 26th special. Hope everybody 
is enjoying their public holiday today, whatever that means for you. And we'll catch you tomorrow for a regular episode of The Briefing. A Podcast One production.